0: Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Alone podcast. This week we have with us Wayne Russell. Wayne was a participant way back on season one of Alone. I'm sure that feels almost like a lifetime ago, but Wayne, thank you for sitting down with us tonight and being willing to share your stories and your life and to let us get to know you a little bit better.
1: Well, thank you, Sam. Uh, it was a surprise when you reached out to me and, uh, you know, told me what you're doing, and then I checked out some of the different uh, podcasts, and uh, it was rather exciting. So I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, thank you so much. I I really appreciate it, and and yeah, that's what I'm trying to go for. Right? Is is different, and and to get to know you all, and and share who you all are. Um, I, I think it was one of my early conversations, and you know, there was that discussion of I think it was a season two participant, and I was like, man, that just seems like a whole different person to go. You know, my life has, has moved on so drastically. Um, anyway, so thanks for coming on. And Wayne, I think the best thing to do is just to start and let you take some time to introduce yourself and give us kind of your background and your story. And then we'll just see where the wind takes us, my friend.
1: So I grew up in the country and I had two older brothers. We spent a lot of time in the forest and that was our playground. So building shelters camping as well um my oldest brother was five years older so we'd just grab a piece of plastic a couple blankets off our bed and throw it in a garbage bag and an old book of matches and some bail twine, and head to the woods and we'd be out there you know camping the summertime even in the winter time we'd be doing the same thing so that was just playing to us Uh, I was the kid also that as soon as I got off the school bus, I would either be grabbing a fishing rod or I'd be grabbing a shotgun and I'd be either hunting or fishing until dark. It was, uh, the only rules we had basically was, tell us where you're going and be home by dark. So many nights I would come home with fish or a rabbit or a partridge and such, but that's the way I grew up. But doing that as my brothers got older, I was doing it alone. And I started thinking what would happen if I got lost out there or had to spend the night for whatever reason, did I have the skills to spend the night in the fall or in, or in the winter? And no, I didn't. I didn't, you know, I, throw in a pocket full of shotgun shells and my shotgun and I'd be gone. I had a knife on my side. That was it. And no way to start fire, no headlamp, no light, no nothing. It was just one of those things that uh, I started. Well, I'm not prepared. That's what got me into uh, starting on the skills of survival. And I started asking folks started reading books uh watching some tv you know and just over personal experience and such i've got to grow my skills to the point that i was happy but you can always learn more and then the internet came out wow the information you can find on there i started practicing stuff that i didn't know and learned from there and just grew my skills so That's basically brought me to the point now, and now I'm running the Maritime Wilderness Survival School, and it's just through the progression of, well, 35 years.
0: So you've got your your Maritime Wilderness Survival School is where you're formally teaching, is that correct?
1: Yes, uh, Maritime Wilderness Skills. Oh, Wilderness Skills. uh, Yeah, I said the survival school but uh yes it's maritime building skills and that is where i'm currently teaching right now i've um, just taught it's the pleasure i get out of it uh is showing people these skills and taken. i took a fella that has been a city boy all his life and he told me i don't i rarely go in the woods i don't go out in the woods and such but i'd like to know some skills We did a 24 hour course, just uh, me and him, and it rained all day and he spent the whole 24 hours in the rain out there and he was warm, toasty, and he was also comfortable. So being able to take someone that could be potential deadly situation and just show him how to use skills that kept him dry and warm all night as he slept underneath his shelter it's just a good feeling that he you know that he's better prepared in a situation like that
0: yeah that's got to be a really um a a gratifying thing you know i'm I'm trying to think through like we garden and and we do some you know some kind of minor things i guess to be self-sufficient and Uh, It's got to feel so good to get to a place where you're proficient enough and you're in the situation to uh, be able to spend um, a a sizable amount of time teaching other people and seeing them, you know, improve and and come to that place where, you know, like you mentioned, like for yourself, that impetus of being able to spend a night out if you had to uh, and know that you could turn that person out and, you know, barring something. Um, unexpected which I guess that's always the big thing right that they would be able to make it for a night as well that's got to feel really good inside
1: it it does and that's why I teach these skills like I mentioned is uh, because it makes me feel good that they're better prepared and it could take them home to a loved one yeah and I remember one time this is many years ago before I started my school I was teaching this uh, uh fella and we went out for 24 hours and it was about minus five that night celsius so about 28 or so uh fahrenheit i would say well <laughs> i got him all set up and he slept in his clothes in a lean shelter with a long fire and it was really awesome feeling when i got up in the morning i walked over to uh where he's sleeping and i'm not that far away in case he needed help or whatever and he's laying there like i said no sleeping bag or anything he's laying there snoring away and the fire's (laughs) still going like you know comfortable warm and he got to experience that i mean i do this stuff for for fun uh-huh. It's camping to me. I do this just for fun and see other people doing this and get to enjoy what I do and just see how you know the shelter actually works because you can teach people this and until they actually try it, then they don't really know the true benefit. Um, I remember another lady I did a twenty-four hour course with and. There, she brought her sleeping bag, and she went to sleep with her sleeping bag, and she started getting chilly. So, I I woke up because I heard her moving around, and I I said, "Are you okay?" And she said, "I'm a little bit chilly." And I said, "Well, where are you chilly?" And she said, "You know, a little bit around the feet and so on and stuff like that." There, and I said you know are you okay yeah yeah I'll be okay and then uh oh little while longer whatever she went back to sleep or whatever and I said make sure you tell me if you're cold I can't help if you don't tell me and uh so then a little while later I heard her stirring again I called over I said you 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 cold and she goes yeah I said where and she goes uh uh, everywhere (laughs) so so I'm like well okay, here's the thing. I said, you get out, you will get some firewood. We'll start that fire. And, you know, then you get to experience what it's like with that fire and see what that does. Well, I've got the video actually on my YouTube channel called Craven uh, Bushcraft and Survival. And it's my 24 hour uh, video. And she's, saying about it's psychological, you know, she was cold. And she wasn't to the point she was shivering. She was cold. Yeah. You know, it was chilly, right? Slightly uncomfortable. Yeah, she was uncomfortable. Exactly. I mean, if she was, you know, I, I keep an eye on them, right? And uh, checking and making sure they're always okay out there. And so she was chilly. And I'm glad she get to experience that because she get uh, she was saying, that it's psychological because she's like, Well, I don't want to move. It's colder out there and stuff, you know. And, but then she's like, Well, I forced myself to get out of there. And then all I had to do, she said, Get up, get some firewood, you know, and started the fire. I was toasted the whole rest of the night. And so she got to experience what that shelter can do. So that made me feel really good and it also was an eye-opener to her and also how quickly you can get turned around at night time that's why i always uh when i'm teaching my students i tell them that you basically the firewood you tie your pack in a tree or you hang something where you're going to leave your pack where you're going to keep coming back to about uh you know five feet high or something and that you can see you walk out and you keep that in view you pick your firewood in that area always looking back and coming back bringing your firewood but any firewood that is close to your camp you leave it that is emergency firewood that if you misjudged and you need firewood you want it close because you can get turned around even with a headlamp very fast and if you walk away from your camp and your supplies could be a bad situation
0: yeah, we actually. I mean, this was a, a young kid, but where I live here in Utah, there was a, 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 a small child that just got lost at the start of our holiday weekend and uh, spent a night out in a place that lots of people every year get lost and, and don't make it back from. Thankfully, they just found him. Yeah. But uh, it's the type of place where, you know, people go and, oh, we're only a mile away from camp or heck it's even less than that right there's some that are oh we're only you know a couple hundred yards away from camp and then they just don't come back Uh, it happens all the time in this little area um before we get too far wayne i want to we've talked about your youtube channel um i want to just give you a second to go ahead and share where people can find you so your youtube your facebook um if you have a website for your school or anything else
1: my website for my school would be uh maritime wilderness skills dot ca uh and then like i said my youtube is uh called craven bushcraft and survival and then facebook here i have wayne called craven russell i believe yeah that's what i have on here plus i also have a page you know maritime wilderness skills facebook page as well
0: okay perfect well i will go ahead and get those linked so anyone who is interested in checking out what Wayne's up to, following his pages on Facebook, checking out his school and, and seeing what he's up to and, and seeing if you're interested in taking a course from Wayne, um, I'll have those linked in the description to the show, so you can go ahead and check all of that out. I wanted to kind of go back here for a second, and something you mentioned about that lady that you were working with um, is just so interesting to me. It's kind of a, a thing that I like to think about a lot and and that I try to... I guess, push myself through, um, but she was talking about how she had learned with that experience um, that it was all mental, right? And how, you know, for you, you're not going to let someone that's in your charge um, get to the point where they're dangerously cold, where, they, where they're where they actually cold, um, but how she had learned that there's it's that mental thing to push through. And what a valuable lesson for someone to learn, um, no matter at what stage of life, but to learn that there's discomfort, and then there's something beyond that, that starts to get a little bit more dangerous, but how the mind is so powerful.
1: Uh, That's the biggest thing about um, it's what I also um, go over is uh, survival mentality. And the way I describe survival mentality, usually when you're lost or you're stranded, that's what I teach. I teach uh, basically if how to survive uh, a few hours or a few days until you're rescued. It's uh, it's survival. It's it's what your body needs to stay alive. So your core temperature, uh, water, you know, and uh, so on. So with that, um, what I always say is that uh, there's two areas that you that really has to be. Controlled and that's your fear and panic and also keeping a positive attitude and one of the best ways to do that I think is by Having the gear to do what you have to do and having the skills to do it and Also doing it many times that it's not a problem So if I have to make fire and I have made fire I don't know how many times Uh, you know, all weather, you know, all year round. So if I had to make a fire, am I concerned about that? No, I'm not concerned about that as long as I have my gear. Um, Like we mentioned, you know, earlier a bow drill. Well, yeah, I, I made many bow drill fires, but I wouldn't want to have to count on it for my life. It's one of those things that I'd rather have a ferro rod or a lighter or you know sure fire
0: can of gasoline. In that, <laughs> yeah,
1: in that situation, um, can of gasoline. Nah, <laughs> that just that burns too quick.
0: Well, Wayne, uh, that's the difference between you and I, my friend.
1: <laughs> if if I have wood and I have a you know, yeah, I can. I, so basically, the thing is, if you. I'm not worried about fire. So my stress level is not I'm not worried about fire. Yeah, um, you still have to be able to get firewood and so on and so forth. So there's still always going to be a little stress, no yeah. matter what, you know, uh, I have a pretty good skill set. And uh, the thing is, is that I would still be stressed because if you hurt yourself, that's a whole new ball game. Uh, you still got to find that firewood you have got to, uh, you know, there's many factors that can still work against you. So just because you have a good skill set, it does not mean that you're 100% coming out of there.
0: Yeah, you know,
1: it's it's one of those things. Uh, but it hugely increases your chances. Mm-hmm. And so it can ease your mind and also help with that positive attitude. So, like I mentioned, it's it's all about taking the skills that I teach you, learn them, become very proficient with them, and that's gonna help ease that stress and that panic.
0: I like I like your approach. Um, there's someone else, so Justin from season two, he has a he's teaching as well, and it's you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put words in both of your mouths. I'm gonna call it practical survival. Right? Um, when you look at what happens on a loan. Alone is not practical survival. It is survival for sure, 100 percent as, as real as you're going to get without uh, actually being in in a, a real problem with no escape button. Um, yeah. But it's not practical, right? You're sitting in in one spot. You're not able to to self rescue. You're not able to you know move for resources and things. Um, but practical survival, and I, I'm I really appreciate that you are focusing on that mental aspect. So when I was, I don't even know if I've fully shared this on the podcast before. Um, when I was like 10, I, I I think I have. Anyways, when I was 10 or so, I went uh, on a camping trip with some friends for his birthday. And I look back on it now and I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that probably wasn't good, right? There was like, <laughs> I don't know, eight of us, eight of us kids that were all between the ages of 10 and 12 probably. And we only had one adult with us. Um and so you think, like, man, that's a lot of that's a lot of monkeys to herd with one adult, <laughs> especially out in the wilderness, right? Yeah. And uh, what had happened is we were we were on a trail, and it was an area where just a few weeks prior someone had gotten lost and then they died from exposure. It was early season wow. camping, um, and so they were, you know, there kind of in the, the late winter season and we were there in the early spring season. And so this space of you know four to six weeks, um, someone had, had died up there due to exposure from getting turned around. pretty popular area. And what had happened is we were hiking up the, up the trail and one group with like the older brother who was probably like 15 or so, um, wanted to continue hiking on to a destination and then the other group with the adult was going to turn around and head back to camp, right? Well, yep. me I'm like, "Oh, I want to go with the group that's, you know, it's continuing on the trail." Yeah. So I went to catch up to them and I realized Ugh, I have no idea where they're at. So I turned around to catch up to the group that uh-huh. um, you know, that was going back down yep. and I couldn't find them. And somehow in that thing, I'm, I was ten, right? So I, I get it. But I just like my brain just exploded, and um, I got lost. And you know, I was only thirty feet off the trail, uh-huh. um, but I, <laughs> I was, I was as lost as I needed to be, right? Um, uh-huh. And you know that experience. I mean, it. I remember the panic to this day, and that just. You know, it it really messed me up and to the point where it took years, um, you know, it it really impacted my wilderness experiences from that age until, you know, probably until I was, I don't even know, 17, 18 years old and kind of was forced to do a lot more of those activities alone. Um, You know, it it impacted my hunting, it impacted just everything because it, it left such a mental scar um, on my brain. And so I'm, I'm curious as, you know, for you, when you talk to people about that mentality, um, I guess my, my hunch is going to be that it's just going to be preparation, um, but do you have any advice for how people can kind of pre-prep their minds for being lost? Because it's something that unless you've experienced being truly lost, uh, I don't think you can really fathom what happens to your mind.
1: Um that's basically like I just mentioned, um, fear and panic, that's that's your biggest thing. Uh I've also been a volunteer for search and rescue now for you know many years. And we want you to stay still. Uh you are found a lot easier if you stay put and signal. Because if you keep walking, we're keep walking behind you unless we run into you. You know, if you're easier found if you stay put. So if you have your gear, that's the biggest thing. Being prepared, uh, being prepared out there, knowing your skills. Um, I always have gear with me that if I become lost, like I said, practice your skills. Uh, Myself, I'm camping for the night. It is just a misconvenience. You can turn a deadly situation into a misconvenience. If you have the proper gear and skills, basically, uh, I'll probably don't know where I am, but I may have cell service and I'll call the wife and say, Hey, I guess uh, I'm going to try to make it out in the morning. If I can't make it out, we can call search and rescue, but uh, I am camping for the night because I can't make it out. And I'm at that point. Um, but so to be honest uh what i do now so i don't get lost is i know i look at a map before i ever go into the area a a satellite map that tells me basically the terrain and so on and so forth Uh, where i go i'm lucky because i have a major highway that runs east to west so i'm always north of that so all I gotta do is go in a southerly direction. I'm gonna hit that highway somewhere, um, but basically, just yeah, uh, I always stick to paths. You know, um, I don't go far from the far from a path because if I go straight in one way, I come straight back out. Uh, I've got turned around back in the day, you know, hunting as a young fella and so on and so forth. And then, you know, turned around for a little while, you know, uh, half an hour or so kind of thing and didn't know where I was. And I've had those following game trails or, you know, stuff like that. I don't do that anymore because I know it can happen. You can get turned around too easy. So if you stick to the trails, you know, also, what I, what I always done was because I have a lot of logging and roads and stuff, and you come to a Y. Well, okay, I took a left. Well, the next one, and you could take a left or a right. Well, it doesn't matter which way it goes. so I'm going to take a left. I'm going to stick on that so I know when I come back I'm taking a right. Right. You know, just stuff like this here can help you not get lost in the first place.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I like your your the uh, perspective of knowing your area. I remember the, f- the first time I was talking to someone, um, the-, the first time this came up, I guess, on the podcast, I, I didn't realize that prior to the show uh, that there wasn't like a, you know, hey, this is a satellite map of your area. Um, <laughs> which to me, like, I-, I guess when I think about it in the context of the what alone is trying to be, um, I understand. When I first heard that, I was just blown away because when I'm going somewhere and, and again, it, it's probably, maybe it's overkill based on just, you know, the, the fears that happened from that experience when I was a child, uh, which by the way, when I came back to camp, the whole group was, uh, sitting in camp having lunch. <laughs> and, and here I am like 10 lost on the mountain. Right. Uh, yeah. And they're they not were, out looking for Yeah, you. They were going to eat lunch and then come find me. Um, yeah, yeah. and so I, you know, it, it really messed me up. Um, yeah. but I, I like your, the philosophy of, of always knowing your area. So like for me, when I'm going somewhere, I, um, I will have satellite maps. Like I spend hours poring over maps and, and understanding roads and drainages and trails and towns and cities and, you know, ranches and just any little thing that's in that area. And so for me, you know, when I'm out somewhere, I I do, I I haven't, you know, COVID and kids and everything. It's been a minute since I've gotten too far out. Um, But I don't ever really feel lost, even if I'm bushwhacking, because I know like, oh, okay, while I don't know exactly where X, Y, or Z is, I do know that if I keep walking in that direction, I'm going to hit a road eventually might take me a long time and I'm not going to be happy when I get to that road but it's a road and that means cars and people and that's something that has really helped me is to make sure I understand where all of my routes to civilization are Mm -hmm. uh, and and know that again it might suck but I I can get there
1: I in the place that I go um, I could walk probably 60 miles or so before I ever hit a house kind of thing. (laughs) You know, there's one, because north of where I am is, you know, it's probably 60 miles to the next uh, town kind of thing, all woods up through. There's logging roads and stuff like that. But there is houses, you know, different roads that go through that, you know, you might come across and stuff. But like I said, if I turn around, I go south, I'm going to hit that highway. And, you know, basically no one the big dipper for the north star uh you know and then where the sun is and so on if you know basically the it rises in the east goes over the southerly sky and sets in the west so as long as i'm heading towards that sun you know i'm, I'm going in a southerly direction so uh you know it's it's just one of those things that i pretty good because of that highway that goes back and forth, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that is, is big for me. Um, and I'm also, you know, you mentioned about staying put, um, I, I think there's probably a lot of different philosophies on that, but as you were talking about that, it reminded me of this child that I was just talking about. Um, the kid was only seven or is only seven. Thankfully he is only seven. Um, there was a snowstorm, by the way, that blew into that area, right? So we're, oh, wow. Where uh, we're late spring, we're coming into summer, yeah. and that area got snow overnight and, and probably during the day today as well. Um, he's seven, and he was off on a bike or like a dirt bike or something, and I don't know if the bike broke down or what happened, but he uh, they found his bike, his motorcycle, so where he abandoned his, his vehicle. Uh-huh. He's seven. And he was two miles away from his, his wow. motorcycle, right? I think that's something that people don't realize too is, is like if you've never experienced getting lost, I I, uh, I can't really convey to you all what it feels like. Uh-huh. Um, but if you're not doing what Wayne says and you're not preparing, um, basically what happens is, is there's this fear and panic that set in. And then your mind just races and your your heart rate elevates, your adrenaline kicks in yep. Yep. and everything like your body is keeping you alive, but it also is working against you because everything is coming at you so fast. And, you know, this kid, he got two miles away over uneven rough terrain. It's like he was walking down a road, um, got two miles from his bike and he was seven in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's just something to think about. And, you know, I don't know if, if people ever do visualization. Um, but for me, I like to do visualizations and to really think through, you know, these scenarios, um, and, and how I would respond ahead of time and and recognize what's going to happen because yeah, it just, I mean, it comes at you quick and before you know it, you know, you're miles away from, from where your vehicle is. And if you think about a, a seven-year-old kid in the forest, um, you know, being two miles away from your vehicle, mm-hmm. yeah, lucky he got found.
1: And that's, yeah, he is lucky. Um, that's why, basically, that's what they're going to find first. They're going to find, if you break down an ATV or something, uh, planes are going to fly overhead. That's what they're going to see first. If you... What I uh, tell my students is that's going to be on a road. It's going to be in the open, your ATV usually. It's going to be on a path. It's going to be on something. So that's what they're going to see first from the air. Now, if you decide, okay, well, I'm going to go over into the woods and i got to find a place to have shelter, uh, you try to be as close to that bike as possible. But I always leave an arrow at the bike pointing in the direction I walked in to set up my camp. So when they find the bike, they'll see the arrow and they know I went in there. And that's where they're going to head to. Hmm. Also, if you're walking through, uh, see, the thing is, is that you, you got to move until you find the places that you have the resources that once you have the resources, to spend the night to control your core temperature then that next day you've got to find water so that's where you're going to take down your camp and you're going to put another arrow where you camped in the direction you're heading to find water they'll should come across that or if they do they come across your campsite now they know which direction you headed and just every once in a while the direction you're heading throw an arrow down because we do a lot of grid searching and we're going to find arrows. Mm-hmm. So you just keep on. Follow, we'll, they'll follow the arrows, or they may not all follow an arrow. You know, kind of thing. But that's the direction. You know, they're going to send some folks, and so on and so forth. Right? It can help them knowing the direction they're going.
0: Yeah, and I, I think. And again, I am. I am not. <laughs> I'm not speaking as an expert here. So please, you know, shoot me down. And, and people out there listening. Uh, this is not me telling you how to survive because I'm not an expert. Um, but I, I, this all is just going back to uh, that mental aspect of survival, in my opinion, in my mind. Because again, you know, as I'm thinking back to that experience that I had and, and some of the stories, I I like to read stories of people who, who have gotten lost and kind of uh-huh. understand what went sideways for them. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, there was a lady in my area again a few years ago She was up in the mountains running and she got lost and, you know, I I think she got helicoptered if I'm recalling correctly. Um, not too far from the trail. I mean, she, you know, Mm -hmm. there were, she could see people like picnicking right across a a gorge. Um, so she wasn't like hopelessly lost, but I mean, she had a running GPS, like a running watch on her wrist. So she had GPS, she had directions, um, so, again, I, I think it's just, you know, that mental being aware of, like, probably control your heart rate and your breathing and get your mind back down to earth before any any decisions are made. Because it just, you know, for me and for that lady, uh, you're just not thinking clearly. There's so much happening, um, you know, that you're, you're just not thinking.
1: And, and that's the thing. Um, how you control that. It, it all come comes back to that how do you control your emotions because like you said uh if you've never made a fire before and you know your life you will die without a fire and you've never made one that your mind's going to be spinning but if you made thousands of fires in all weather then your mind is not going to be spinning it's eh, i gotta make fire that's how you basically prepare, you have to have skills, you've got to prepare for it. That is how you control that fear and panic is by knowing how to do what you have to do. Uh, Like I said, um, myself, I've seen me in, in different situations where I've just done that it's you know, it's the you feel that, you know, you feel it rising a little bit of the stress starting to rise then you're like I've got this you know and you gotta you, you gotta basically okay uh, okay it's it's the same thing when you know I was dropped off uh, for a loan I walked in there and I seen the you know my gear and so on and so forth and uh at that point I you know it was real it's uh we're the first season and we had no idea what to expect i was just dropped off totally alone you know in the highest population of black bear in canada and the highest population of cougar in all north america and they kill and eat people so uh you know that is on your mind of course and you have a you know can of pepper spray and axe so that's on your mind and then you start thinking about your family, you know, and uh, you start looking at that. And I wasn't sure if I was going to make it home or not. And uh, that starts to get, you know, as I was talking there, I started my mind started going and hopefully my you know, I knew this when I went in. And I decided that what's going to happen, what's going to happen and uh, I'm going and going to do this because I got a chance to use a lot of the skills that like primitive traps and such that I practice for many years, but cannot use legally. So I don't use them, but there I could. So it's one of those things that you practice all your life to do and to actually be able to use it. And, uh, it was one of those things that it was like, yeah, for sure. I want to do this. And, but it, you know, it, uh, little bit started to creep up and then i just shifted my mind i was like okay we got to do shelter and i just turned it off and i gathered my gear and i went and did shelter and i just turned it right off because i started thinking about home and so on and so forth i knew before i left like i said i may not come home alive but i uh you know it was one of those things well what will be
0: will be and started on shelter it's it's interesting. Um I, I guess I when I when we think about it, we've had an interesting conversation I guess so far, talking about, you know, the the I, I I hesitate to call it the psychology because I am not that smart to be able to use that word, other than a little bit of experience a couple, you know, a couple decades ago. Um we We're talking about like the psychology of survival and you know, alone is is something I don't even know how to describe it. I and I, I I never really talk about alone on the podcast because I'm not the expert, right? That's that's what you all are, and um, it's just a it's a very complex thing. But it's interesting that that you still were getting that type of response, right? Knowing that you had you had a button and you had gear. Um, what was it like? Was there any difference to you mentally? when you got dropped off versus, you know, if, if you had, if you were truly turned around somewhere, maybe your boat motor went out or something. Um, Can you talk about any differences comparing and contrasting what those feelings were like, if any? Um,
1: I wasn't, uh, I didn't feel lost because I was in the middle, middle of nowhere alone, but I didn't feel lost because I wasn't going nowhere yeah uh so it wasn't that it is the um what started you know i started to have those those uh feelings of anxiety over you know knowing about the animals and like i said um the only concerns i had was finding enough food and the predators uh my survival skills i wasn't worried about because like I said, uh, you know, it was raining and so on, but I do that, you know, I camp in the rain. I, you know, I've camped in the rain, you know, hundreds of times. Uh, it does not bother me at all. I was camping, uh, until, you know, that bear came along. And so uh, every situation is different. I've been out there when the boat motor has, uh, you know, died and so on and so forth, and you're floating out to sea and uh, the ocean, and uh, so on. <laughs> so I've been there, and thank God, you know, we've uh, got back. Uh, back, it started to go, whatever. I can't remember now, but I've been out there a couple times. You grab the oars and you start rowing, kind of thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, every situation is different, um, and you never know how you're going to react i mean what you guys you know everybody's seen is what was uh you know shown Mm -hmm. uh the real story is um you know a lot more to it and but it was it was an experience and i'm kind of glad that it went down the way it did um i was the only thing that i regret i've been asked many times you know, in choosing your gear, would you have chose anything different? No, not at all. Um, before I went on, I started thinking of basically everything that could possibly, you know, I would be up against. And I knew how to basically deal with everything that could have happened. Besides, you know, an animal attack. Uh... But I also know animal behavior and how to react. The reason I'm here to be able to do this is uh, because I use my skills of knowing animal behavior and I got out of that situation. And, you know, I think it's very important to know every type of, uh, you know, what you could come up against and study in that as well. I mean, as in animal behavior, uh, where I'm at, uh, I mean, I sleep with bears every, you know, week, year round. There's bears in my forest. Uh, There's moose. Moose can be very deadly. And, uh, you know, I've had many times packs of coyotes and they have, you know, attacked people and killed them over here in the Maritimes as well. So I, and I sleep with that, you know, for years, every week, year round, you know, in all weather and such. So I'm out there a lot. And knowing, you know, how to react. I think that's what saved my life that day, basically.
0: Can you um, elaborate for those that that haven't, that I guess it's been, you know, six or seven years on what that day and what that experience is? Do you mind sharing that at all?
1: Uh, the thing is, is that I don't think I'm supposed to uh, kind of thing. Um, my story is, uh, you know, if it's not seen, I guess, then only very few people know the uh, story.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> well, I don't want you to, to do anything you're, you're uncomfortable with or anything that you feel like you might not be – Um, allowed to do but basically the the gist of of what i'm getting is that uh i'll just you can confirm or deny or just (laughs) let me go i'm gathering that there was some sort of exciting encounter with some sort of furry toothed four-legged critter (laughs) that
1: i was didn't i was charged
0: make it on tv
1: yeah i was well i was charged by him okay and uh, you know, which I did say that on the uh, on the show they, that uh, they they had that in. I was charged by a uh, big black bear, and uh, I backed up in the woods and so on and so forth and get out of that situation, kind of thing, uh, by using, like I said, you never run, you know, from a predator that triggers predatory instinct. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I did exactly what I had to do, get out of that situation. And also, I will say this, is that I wasn't going down without a fight. Uh, And it would have been seen on camera if they, you know, that was one of those things that, uh, yeah, Yeah. I, I, I wasn't going down without a fight because basically i remember a story of a i don't even know where i heard it or anything else but there was a bear that broke into this little old lady's house and uh she killed it with a pole axe whoa and that that uh, stuck in my head, and all I could think was, uh, you know, I can sink my axe into a hardwood tree about two inches. So, I had it in hand, and I wasn't going down without a fight. That's all I have to say.
0: That's uh, that story about the the house. That's that's pretty intense. I have to look look that up um you know when you're talking about yeah, moves, i don't even know
1: i don't even know where i heard that story but that's all i thought of and it's like you know this is life or death if he comes up here you know yeah and uh yeah so
0: it's interesting you know as as more and more people are getting out into into nature uh it i think it makes this conversation even more important as it's becoming more accessible for people um but it is also very interesting to see more and more encounters right because more people are going out with phones and cameras and are starting to capture some of those experiences and you know it reminds me of i don't know if you heard the story out of Colorado uh, USA a couple of i think it was 3 or 4 years ago about this guy that uh, he got attacked by a small mountain lion like a juvenile subadult i think it was like a year year old cat and um I think he attacked him, and he choked it out. Like he, he killed it with his bare hands. Um, and you know, that's just it kept him alive. But I just think they're like, man, that's uh, that's pretty intense to have yeah. to go through that experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it goes. I think it goes back to that preparation that you've talked about and that mental that mental prep. You know, for me, I when I go out. Um, before I was carrying a child, I used to always carry extra water and, and things like that because hmm. it was like pretty much every single trip you'd run into someone who, you know, like, oh, I just got out of the car and we thought we'd go, you know, check out the scenery and how beautiful it is. The next thing they know, they're, you know, three miles up, three miles with 3,000 feet of elevation gain, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they thought they were going for a 10-minute stroll from their car. got No yep. water. It's the middle of summer. Um, so it's great to see more people getting out, but at the same time, you have to have at least some minimal level of preparation to not get yourself in trouble.
1: And they say that uh, day hikes, more people get lost on day hikes than, and uh, die on day hikes than any other time. And the reason why is because, same thing, uh, they'll have a bottle of water and just go and that's all they have and they're in shorts and a t-shirt they hike way up it gets down really cold at night they're lost and they're not dressed so you know it's it can be a deadly situation according how uh you know it can be right now it's drip dipping down to um you know just above freezing here you know at times and at night and it can be warm during the day well you know, I've seen it my uh, six Celsius, which um I'm not quite sure what Fahrenheit that is, but it's pretty cold, yeah. you know, at night. And, and I believe in July, I think it was, I have a video where it dropped down to like six Celsius. Hmm. And, you know, so it's just one of those things that you never know. So having gear, man, it's, it can save your life. So that's yeah. why I always carry it
0: you know, for me, it reminds me too. So for myself, um, I used to run a lot in the mountains and when I was running in the mountains, um, I'd want to have a minimal gear set and, you know, you're trying to save weight. And, you know, so there was one particular experience where I was running up in the mountains. It was winter and it was, I mean, it, we had just received about, up in the mountains, it was like 18 inches of snow. I'm a, I'm 6'2", and I had snow, you know, coming up over my knees, fresh snow. Yep. And I wow. would run minimalist, so I'm in a pair of running shoes. They were winter running shoes, so they were waterproofed. I had a very small pair of gaiters on that just kept snow out of my shoes, but that's it. I'm yep. wearing a pair of uh, thermal pants a pair of shorts on top of that and then on my top i have a like a a thermal shirt a thermal like sweatshirt and then i had i might have had my vest like a like a puffy down vest on that day and then on my back i've got you know maybe a liter of water maybe a liter and a half of water got a couple of snacks um but i'm not carrying survival gear because you know, I'm I'm trying to be light. I Mm -hmm. anyways. So I was up I was a couple miles in on this trail and again snow up to my knees. And on the way down I took a fall. And it's probably, I don't know, fifteen, maybe twenty Fahrenheit. So definitely below freezing. And I took a fall. And you know and I, i've got a bad knee i sliced my my bad knee already i sliced it open and it you know it took a while for my knee to be able to move again and i kind of didn't i started to panic a little bit if i'm being honest because i had this realization of man you know i'm a couple miles in i'm a couple thousand feet above my truck it is freezing cold i'm now injured and i have nothing
1: yep and the problem is is that you're the way you would dress you're fine While you're running.
0: While I'm running, yep, exactly. And that's why I was dressed that way, right? Because when I'm running, I couldn't take anything warmer because, you know, if I'm running, (laughs) I was just going to get drenched. And it was all I could do anyways. And so I started to panic a little bit. But the panic was, thankfully, in that situation, I was, you know, fortunate enough to have the panic be, man, am I really going to have to, you know, get rescued out of here? Just I didn't want to deal with the embarrassment yeah you know but even something that simple not having the gear knowing what i was doing and i still was in a situation that could have uh gone sideways really fast
1: which you could have just you know through a jacket and uh you know and a pair of ski pants which weigh basically you know maybe a pound
0: yeah. together
1: in a backpack
0: yeah kind of thing, you know what i mean giving like, myself a little bit more time oh uh, yeah i mean uh
1: and something to make a fire yeah because i mean just for people
0: to to think through right um if you're listening and if you haven't ever been in these types of experiences or these situations you know for me um i I think a lot of times if you're in cell service you kind of rely on your cell phone like Mm -hmm. oh i've got my phone i can call uh thankfully my phone at that point in time i had learned my lesson and so i would keep my phone somewhere like inside in, pocket. exactly yeah somewhere inside because yep. if you if you haven't done that before if you're on your first winter run and you you know bust an ankle three miles and three thousand feet above your truck and your phone is outside in your pack pocket so you can take pictures if it's 15 degrees outside your battery's probably going to be frozen and toast yep. when you need to make yep. that phone call with your busted ankle yeah and then you're crawling off a mountain with a broken ankle if you're lucky. Right. Um, and so, yeah, like it just, you got it. Like it, it's, you have to think through and, and go through all of the different scenarios and, and try and, and come up with ways of what you're going to do. Cause it just can go from a great day to, you know, for me, I was experienced. I knew what I was doing and I still almost had to get helicoptered off the mountain, you know?
1: Well, yeah. When you're injured, that's something totally different. And, uh, what I teach with is minimal gear. Um, it probably altogether weighs about five pounds, and it can, you know, I've used it and spent the night out in uh, you know, just minus 20 Celsius. Uh, and with these same tools or whatever, the same little pack, I'm staying out minus 20 and sleeping without a sleeping bag. So, just that's why I teach with so minimal that people will carry it if you give them something cumbersome they're not going to carry it but if you can give them just a few items and the skills to use those few items to be able to survive minus 20 then you know it's it's knowledge that you know it can save their life and it's uh i think it's very important that you give them something that they will carry and that's why i with my teaching I try to go as simple as possible and simple and effective.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I use a lean to shelter with a long fire. Why? Because there's a thousand shelters out there. I can heat myself head to toe. I've done it many times. And when I was, I've built lean to shelters, uh, many times, you know, over the years as a kid and everything else, like I said, but, uh, This shelter, the way it's set up here, I learned at the main skills primitive school. Um, And I asked him, you know, how well he's had it down and stuff and uh, I'm not sure if he said that he's had it down, but I started testing it myself using it and seeing its capabilities and so on and so forth. I've had it down. I think it was minus 17 and I put my thermometer that reaches out at plus 50 Celsius it mm-hmm. I put it on my bed my and had my fire going it was all red my thermometer <laughs> so at minus you know seven which is zero Celsius, zero Fahrenheit so right around zero Fahrenheit I had it my thermometer all the way up you know all red and uh with a fire out front so I've slept so, you know, so many times in just my clothing with this simple setup. Uh, that's why I use this. Uh, you can modify it as well and so on. That's why, uh, like I said uh, just a little while ago, my one of my students there, uh, that's why he slept in a rainstorm all night. So I have slept in downpours under this same shelter. I, you know, that's why I teach it, because of what it actually does. And it's simple. It takes a tarp. And some some uh, rope, you know, basically in carb two steaks. That's it.
0: Hmm. And do you have videos of that set up on your on your YouTube channel as well, or do you keep that secret sauce for the school?
1: <laughs> no, no, I have many many vi- videos on uh, the different setups and so on and so forth. Um, actually, on uh, I believe I'll check right now on a, my playlist. I have maritime, yeah, maritime wilderness uh, skills training. And I've got one, two, three, I've got six videos there kind of thing and showing the different setups and so on.
0: Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's always something for me um, that I'm, that I'm interested in is learning how to, I'm not going to say camp, learning how to survive in winter um, you know, survive. And I, and I think it's probably brought on by that experience, uh, that I had a couple of years ago running. Right. Cause yep. I just, I just realized, I mean, you know, in that circumstance, it kind of quickly became, okay, I've got a, a gash on my knee, you know, my knee is, is already starting to swell up, um, and I'm losing range of motion in my leg. So I had to just get down as quick as I could, but I mean, it, it quickly, you know, it kind of triggered some thoughts in my mind of, okay, you know, I could have had to have, uh, spent some time Um, I'm curious you I want to talk about the search and rescue for a minute so you you are you still actively on the search and rescue team
1: I actually uh, over the last um, a couple weeks I basically uh, told them that I I was going
0: to uh, step down for a bit because I just don't have the time gotcha um, how long did you do search and rescue for? Uh, close to four years. Okay. Were you all a, a pretty busy, pretty busy unit? Cause you're far, far Eastern Canada, right? Yes. How many, like how busy was your, was your team out there? Uh,
1: you would, you would, uh, get a call, you know, could be, uh, once a month to you know twice a month sometimes three times it's according on the uh you know it's different areas have different um you know incidents uh-huh. so you, you you just wasn't sure sometimes you'd be out there quite a bit during a month kind of thing right so
0: it just varied yeah were there any any like have you taken time to to analyze the experiences that that you saw, I guess, the experiences that people went through when you were on search and rescue and, and have some takeaways, like general takeaways that you were able to come up with for those rescues that you've been involved in?
1: Well, most of it, like you say, is it's uh, most people get in trouble because they're unprepared. You know, and uh, that's, a lot of it like you say um if if they only had you know a little bit of gear they had this or that or whatever they wouldn't been in that situation and that that's you know i'm not sure what you mean by take away from that but that's what i you know sometimes you look at it and you say well you know if they would have stuck to their plan that they've uh you know told people they were going to be at and such that's the problem too uh we we talk about uh trip plans and such you always let somebody where know where you're going uh when you expect to be back you also have a um, someone that will call you know if you're not back by a certain time and such it's just you know and the route that you're taking you Mm -hmm. let them know and you stick with that a lot of times someone will be behind schedule and now well i'm going to cut right across here and get on the get on the trail over there kind of thing you know on the other side i can save a lot of time well that's where they sometimes get into trouble right and then they're off trail so uh, sticking to the plan and you know plan your route, stick into trails and so on. Um, even though a lot of people may travel that trail, you can be, you know, 30 yards from the trail and no one even know you're there kind of thing, right? So carrying a whistle is, you know, big time, big time. Uh, good advice is, uh, and knowing the, you know, how to signal with the whistle as well, because that can carry a long way yeah kind of thing so carrying a whistle just being just being prepared
0: yeah you know you talk about the trip planning and and i think that's one that i don't know if i don't have a good a good feel for it but i hope that people are still doing that you know i'm i'm grown i've got a family i've got my own kids and and all my own stuff now and you know the the people that i'm beholden to uh, are in my immediate family now right Yep. And when we're all going together, and even sometimes if I'm if I'm going somewhere that Michelle doesn't know, but maybe my dad knows the area pretty well, um, obviously Michelle will be privy to the full plan and to where I'm going to go and what to expect. But then I'll still, you know, if it's a place that my father knows well or somewhat, or if my whole family's going, I'll still reach out and say, hey, just so you know, this is what we're doing, this is what we're going. Um, I don't always have a, a perfectly set route of you know turn by turn and and whatnot Mm -hmm. but still like hey this is where we're going to be this is the general area um this is when we're expecting to be back into civilization this is when we're expecting to be back um you know if if we are that's our expected time and then i give kind of a you know some leeway for flat tire (laughs) basically Yeah, yeah Uh, Um, and then I'll say, if, if you don't, if you can't get us by this time, you need to make a call. Um, and I still do that. And then as soon as we're out, you know, make that call and say, Hey, just, you know, we're back. Um, that's a a practice that I still hold to.
1: Yeah. Uh, like I said, when I was younger, uh, get off school bus, go change my clothes, grab a fishing pole or shotgun. I was gone. And the rules were, where are you going? That's in which area. And be home by dark. And now it's the same thing. Um, You know, we have areas around here and I just tell her the general area and where I'm parking. And uh, but I don't have any plan and I'll be home by dark or I'll be home by a certain time. Usually it'll be by dark. Now, if I'm not home a couple hours after dark and I haven't called, then she knows something's wrong. Yeah. because if i'm going to be later of course i have cell service uh i also what i do is i always carry a battery bank with me now that if my phone did die well i have extra power i can charge my battery or charge my phone
0: yeah
1: and uh so they're you know they can be a lifesaver for sure because like like you have said uh in the i camp and uh sleeping you know in the winter all the time i'm out there minus 30 and i'm camping and your phone dies quick unless you keep it in the inside pocket and that's the same thing as uh if you're ever using um water filters the uh
0: you
1: know you keep them i shake them out real good after i use them put them in a baggie so it don't get wet i put them in an inside pocket so it doesn't freeze you know and you just, these little tips like that can really help. And just basically letting someone know where you're going, you know, that that is, we know, that's basically we know where to start looking for you. They're going to find your vehicle and then, you know, they're going to go from there kind of deal, right? Yep. And usually I won't stray too far, you know, from the uh, main paths I may, but if I'm going to, I'll tell my wife, you know, oh, I plan on going from here, but I'm going to go right across country to the lake over there, kind
0: of thing. Yeah,
1: I take my compass and I'm just going to go right through, right? So they'll know the general area that, well, maybe I hurt my leg or you know, and hurt your leg, your phone's in the swamp, you know, and <laughs> all the <although, you know, laughs> scenario kind of thing, right? Yep. You know, so.
0: Well, and, yeah. and something for me, and, and again, I, I think there's times where I go overkill, um, but, you know, I've never fully gotten over that experience when I was a kid. Um, you know, for me and, and my truck, I just leave it in my truck now at this point, but I always have a satellite communicator as well. And so when I am out of cell service, I uh-huh. I can always still send a text message. And oh, cool. yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a little overkill. And I, I think some people, I mean, I guess to me, it's not overkill. Some people might feel that way if you're a, a purist and and whatnot, um, you know. But for example, we were I was on a trip with my dad uh, about a year ago. Actually, we were out on the desert and middle of nowhere, no cell service for a couple of days, and uh, you know we were able to get some some family news, right? That yeah. that uh, was good, right? It it that's I think that's the reason why people are like oh I don't want to take anything like that because I don't want to have the world pull me back. But even for something like that, we were able to get family news and we were able to adjust our plans um, based on the needs of those whom we're beholden to and who we owe, you know, ourselves to. Yep. And, and that was a really just it's nice. <laughs> it's just nice. Cool. You can't rely on those things. Certainly, I, I think, you know, like the cell phone, if you're relying on that phone when it's cold outside, you better have some experience because, you know, it, it might not work. Um, It
1: may not. But most of the time it will. So uh, you can have chances where it doesn't. But I have carried a cell phone for a long time. And I've never had it fail. Yes, I could break it could do this or whatever. But you know what I mean? Uh, If you keep it in the side pocket, you know, it's uh, limitations and stuff. That is my lifeline. When I go out, it's how, if I do hurt myself, you know, it's the only way that, you know, I can let somebody know I hurt myself. And yes, I can be out of range. I can be so on and so forth, but I have a lot better chance having that phone on me. You know, uh, I can't yell that far, (laughs) kind of thing, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, using the GPS and just using that, you know, and stuff, no. I wouldn't do that myself but uh, that's where a compass comes into play and so on but uh, you know as in for my lifeline that's all I have and I remember one time me and a uh, couple friends uh, there's three of us and I've never been to this area a friend of mine took me to this new area and it was a big mountain and I had no idea what he was taking but we had absolutely no self-service and were going down this mountain that were basically uh, grabbing tree to tree and sliding down almost. And to get down this mountain, I believe it took us, uh, you know, like an hour to go down this mountain. <laughs> and uh, by sliding pretty much most of it. So uh, it was pretty crazy. I actually have that video as well on my YouTube channel but and then we're walking down the stream and it was just uh slippery rocks and so on and i just told you know if somebody falls here and cracks their head open on these rocks we are in big trouble this is you guys gotta really watch yourselves here because this could turn deadly quick because there's no way in heck that we're getting you out of here if you crack your head open for hours so this is reality so just watch everything you do and take your time because yeah. this is reality we have no lifeline out here uh when you're in those back country and you have no lifeline you have to take care every you know when i was dropped off on uh, vancouver island it's the same thing every swing of that axe i had to be care You know, uh, which way if it deflects, which way is it going, making sure I'm out of the way, every cut and so on and so forth. It's just you got to be so mindful that because it's hours before they can get to you kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So you just whenever you're in that situation, when you have no lifeline. Basically, it's uh, it gets real and you really have to uh, take care and just slow down a little bit and just think before you do something you know so we did make it out of there and it was it my uh one of my friends there he slipped probably oh had to be half a dozen times on those rocks and went right into his knees and stuff right into those boulders and stuff right and i mean uh, he he was a trooper but man oh man he must it, it it had to hurt and i was i'm glad when we finally stopped i told him you go just go sit on your hammock and just stay there yeah. <laughs> i was so scared of him walking around <laughs> and, uh you know and i was worried about him so it, it it was it was real and you know when you're out there in the middle of nowhere and you just gotta yeah you've really got to take care because there's no one coming unless you're hiking out and you know so
0: on right yeah i think a a podcast for some reason this podcast just come to my mind and um if anyone's if you're you know if you want to listen to another podcast that's not this one um outside magazine they have a podcast it's called the outside podcast and a few years ago they did a special like mini season called the science of survival oh yeah um and that was absolutely fascinating. So for anybody listening, um, you know, finish finish this episode. Always listen to the Alone podcast first. But when you're done with this one and all caught up, uh, go listen to the Outside podcast. And, and you know, they, they share more, you know, I think it was 2018. It's been a couple of years. They had a, a mini series of The Science of Survival. And then they also just on their show, they kind of sp- sprinkle in survival stories here and there. And I highly recommend listening to it. You're listening to someone who's gone through an experience. There's one where someone got bit by a rattlesnake. There's They go through a hypothermia episode and go through uh, what happens when your body experiences extreme cold. There was an episode on getting attacked by Africanized bees, of all things. Um, oh, wow. But it's just fascinating. And it's a... I think listening to those stories and hearing people talk about what they went through and, and what happened to them is a really good way to uh, to kind of prep yourself. It, it sounds morbid, but if you haven't thought through it, um, then you're not going to be prepared for it. And so uh, it's a great, uh, I just recommend it. Very fascinating. Um, Wayne, this has been very interesting. I've really enjoyed this conversation and, and kind of tucking into more of the survival side of things and the preparation and and what to do um, if you're going outdoors. And so this has been really fantastic. I want to give you some time and opportunity. If there's anything else that you want to share, if there's anything, you know, kind of last words, if there's anything you want to talk about that we didn't touch on, uh, anything at all.
1: Well, I uh, was thinking about what we were talking about earlier. Uh, A friend of mine that had gotten lost recently, And thank God he got out. But uh, he had a plan, you know, and uh, to make a bow drill fire and set up shelter. But he's never made a bow drill fire before. And he's never made a bow drill set. But he knew the how to do it and the theory behind it. And I just told him, next time bring a lighter (laughs) Uh, so he went out uh, the next day we were talking about it and i said go try it see how you would have fared and he failed and he said it really opened his eyes because he thought that he you know he knew the theory of it he's never done it before but he figured that he could do it uh just by knowing the theory and watching you know other people he's seen me do it a few times and so on and he thought he could do it and it really opened his eyes you know that it's something that everything has to be right and it's one of those things people can take a long time before they get it so having a couple lighters on you or a box of matches can uh basically that that's what i would have and what happened to him is he had dropped his pack to go back and get his uh get a sled to haul out some game that he just had gotten and it got dark and he got turned around. Um he said I don't know why I it's just adrenaline. He dropped his pack. He said, I don't know why I dropped my pack. But it was a real eye opener and he learned from it. So it was a good experience really because he learned from it. And yeah. uh but now I'm sure he'll carry. he'll make sure that you know he has lighter in his pocket kind of thing right because it wasn't real cold but it could have got chilly and at least he could have had fire yeah so that's so he, he
0: so he got turned around and then in the like after realizing he was turned around is when he dropped his pack no he had Left his pack uh, with the animal.
1: Yes. Oh, and okay. Get when, when went back, he was going to go back and get the sled to haul out the animal. And, uh, that's when he got turned around going back to get the sled. Gotcha. And his pack was back at the animal. And so, and it, he, he don't he like he said, he didn't, he don't know why he dropped it. He figured he'd just make better time or whatever. But, uh, I'm sure that won't happen again, but he learned that just by watching other people and, uh, you know, thinking that you may know, you know, how to do something, practice it. Uh, A boat like, you know, friction fire. I've made many fires with friction fire, but I also carry in my kit a lighter because it's sure fire. It's less processing. It's, uh, you know, way a lot less work, especially if I hurt myself, I can easily maybe, you know, maybe even be able to just grab right around me or something and make some sort of a fire compared to uh, having to find the proper wood and so on and so forth, right? So, yeah, I am really glad that I know friction fire and the skills to do so, but for you know and if i don't have a lighter or anything else i can make fire if everything if i have everything and the materials are there but i carry a lighter and some fire starters because that's sure fire so it's one of those things where just time can mean everything so if you can carry it why not and for me a one of the best survival kits out there or not survival kits but fire kits i have two bic lighters well two disposable lighters and a box of wooden matches and four fire starters guaranteed fire yeah you know it's guaranteed fire and those fire those fire starters i i could cut them into fours if i wanted to and still guaranteed fire so i'd have 16 fires there basically But whenever I go out, I'm using a ferro rod and I'm using natural material when I go camping and so on because I enjoy that, right? I enjoy that. Uh, A lighter to me, it's like car camping. It's just, (laughs) it's just, it's, uh, I get more satisfaction out of lighting with a ferro rod than I do a lighter. A lighter is just, you know, surefire, too easy. But I teach in my courses lighters because it's just you can get a fire going a lot easier with a flame than you can a spark.
0: All right, we're going to get we're going to get deep in the mind of Wayne here. We're going to this will be a good a good thing here. A good way to wrap. We're going to get deep in the mind here. So Wayne, you are you're out in the woods. You get turned around. You know you're spending a night out. You know it's going to be a very cold night out you're otherwise okay no no injuries or maybe you've got a slight injury um, but you are in a real survival situation you're not on a camping trip um, are you going to reach for the lighter or are you going to reach for your ferro rod first in a real survival situation are you going to test the skill and then go to the lighter or are you just going to go straight to the lighter
1: uh to be honest <laughs> i can i can light a fire just as easy with a ferro rod as i can uh a- lighter okay. so uh, just either one tell you the truth <laughs> so that's
0: a, we'll get deep in the mind there because if you're the fact that you're still saying well, well i can do the ferro rod um that's funny yeah you know, i'm going straight for the lighter like i said earlier give me a can of gasoline maybe yeah, i'll start yeah. carrying a little bottle bottle of fuel in my pack or something
1: i can i can you know i've i've uh... It it probably takes 30 seconds more to use the ferro rod just because I got a light, say a piece of birch bark, piece of birch bark directly lighter right to it lights up. Uh, The ferro rod, I got to scrape it a little bit to get those fine, you know, little pieces and then I'll light it up. That's you know, takes probably 10 seconds of scraping or 15 seconds of scraping and then I'll light it up. So, you know. 15 seconds basically you know maybe 30 seconds or something say you, know, i can light a fire just as quick
0: well i'm gonna give one more disclaimer here uh just just like your friend with the uh the friction fire bow drill plan um just because wayne can do it fast doesn't mean that it's easy folks <laughs> um if you, <laughs> if you want to be humbled get yourself a, a good ferro rod best one you can get get yourself a great striker uh you can even splurge for a nice bar of magnesium in in the alone in the alone fashion um and go ahead and try and start a fire and you'll it's it's humbling i'll tell you if uh you know it it seems easy you have got all the the pieces um but even even a perfectly created ferro rod fire with you know magnesium and anything else uh it still takes a minute It's not easy. It is one of those
1: things that it has to be processed right to take that spark. And if you don't know how to process it, then like you said, it can be. And also how you strike. Uh, You know, the pressure you put into the rod. uh, That all comes into play. Uh, You know, I've seen so many people just scrape across and you got these little tiny weak no you've got to dig into that you've got to rip that off of there and uh, you know there's just yeah there's technique and there's skill to it and i've been doing this for years so i've learned what works well with what material and so on so yeah like you said just because you and that's the same thing with the bow drill yeah uh it's because you've seen other people do it and i've had more people you know i i was doing a demonstration a bow drill demonstration uh for this lady in her group and she actually she heard her back so she said could you um you know show them how to do it i said yeah i can do it so i get down there and she starts talking and i start i start going you know basically in about 45 seconds i got a call and and, and they were all like you make that look easy and she's and i said well if you know it's it's according on if everything's set right and i've done many of them so yeah just because someone else can make it look easy you know you don't get that all the time either you know it's according on the wood you can myself with a bow drill uh if i can't get a fire within the first you know minute or two minutes or something i'm throwing that away and getting another set because uh you know I'm not fighting with something it'll either go or it won't and you know, kind of thing. It's not, it's too wet or whatever. Right. Because if it's too wet, you keep going keep going, it will dry it out kind of thing as well. Right. But, uh, it's just one of those things. If I, you have to have the right, uh, basically density of the wood. It's just, there's so much, you know, the right pressure. There's just so much to it, as you know, you said you've done uh boat drilling stuff and
0: mm-hmm.
1: all that stuff all is a factor you know how much pressure you're putting into it um i usually have a nice steady stride nice steady stride and then i'll watch i'll watch i'll wait until i get my um notch filled up once my notch is filled up then i start giving it you know and i'm and then basically probably you know 10 15 seconds then i get a call Kind of thing, right? So, it's... you
0: could probably start a bow drill fire faster than I can start one with a lighter. <laughs> I doubt funny. it. <laughs> that's funny, but that's but funny. yeah,
1: I mean, I I have a few videos on there, you know, a minute or so, or a little bit under a minute, or a minute, you know, from start to finish, right? And uh but that's it's one of those things that I still wouldn't count on it. I rather have a ferro rod or a lighter because everything has to play right and it's the same thing as the uh you know being with the barrel rod it takes skill i mean it does it you know processing it's it's like a uh, solar fire you know just having the right tinder and having it you know to be able to catch that coal and so on and it's every, every one of those all have, you know, a certain skill set that you need to make it all work.
0: Yeah. Now this is, this has been, been really great. This is, like I said, this is the first episode. I think that's, that's really focused on, on survival and, and really just on preparedness. Uh, and I, I think this is hugely beneficial and I, I hope that everyone enjoys listening to, to Wayne's experience and his, his expertise um, both as someone who has lived this way for a lifetime, but also as someone who has been involved in search and rescue and has seen uh, what hasn't worked for people um, and, and that they've needed rescue. So Wayne, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I'll give you one last if there's anything else you want to mention or say before we wrap up, um, but I do encourage everybody, again, I'll have Wayne's websites, his Facebook, his YouTube, um, everything will be linked in the description below. So go ahead and, and check out what he's got going on. Um, I've really appreciated your philosophy on preparedness and survival as we've talked tonight. It's um, something that has resonated with me, certainly. So thank you for that. Um, anything else for your, before we wrap up tonight, Wayne?
1: No, um, this this has been a great conversation and uh, it was nice hearing your experiences as well and uh, your thoughts on it. And uh... I just want to thank you for the invite and you know, like I said, I don't normally like doing podcasts just because I don't know, sometimes I can trip over my own words, but (laughs) uh, I had a lot of fun and I want to thank you.
0: Well, Wayne, I appreciate that. You, you sound like a, a seasoned vet, so nothing to worry about there. And again, Um, I'm not an expert. I'm just an idiot that screwed up a few times. (laughs) Um, So take that for what it's worth. But thanks again, Wayne. I hope uh, everyone had a great time.
1: Okay, take care and thanks.